centering diversity, equity, inclusion, and what are all the letters, centering all these things, it takes time and there's never, to me, it's never like you've reached a goal. It's, it's always like continuing work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like to keep it real, I was a little bit bothered by that because I'm like we're building relationships here I'm show, I'm showing up in other people's spaces to learn about what they're doing it's I'm not going to be it's not that we're going to be you know I'm going to show up and boom we're going to have you know two Hispanic people one Asian person and three black people on our board it doesn't work like that Greetings. I don't know what time of day it is, wherever you are tuning into this episode, but Dr. Thomas Rashard Easley, aka Hip Hop Forrester, I'm welcoming you to another outstanding episode of the Hardwood Podcast. Okay, of course, we got my co host, Bennett Lupo, who's keeping everything straight, always in the background. Bennett, how you doing today? I'm doing well. It's another day. Hey, it's another day. That's it. Another day, another conversation. And today, Hey, y'all, we're doing something that we don't always do, but we do this periodically where we do a part two. All right. So we brought one of our guests that we actually had on earlier in the season, bringing them back. Okay. And I'm talking about none other than Bianca Myrick. If you recall, okay, she is the ED executive director. Don't know what that means of the Virginia Association of Environmental Educators, and is also an educator and, uh, you know, and a host of other things, entrepreneur, you know, so many other cool things that she brings to the table. So Bianca, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me back. All right. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes and coming back. And, um, and Bianca and I have kept in touch, you know, over the last, you know, like few months, you know, and, and a couple of weeks, well, before we connected on the podcast, and of course, since we connected on the podcast. So I can say that I've gotten to witness uh, the growth and, you know, and some of the, you know, uh, nice, nice um, progress and developments within, you know, the Virginia Association of, of Environment Educators. And I know a lot of that is credit to your leadership and you, which is, I think, so fitting for us to have this part two. And I did mean for that to rhyme. No, I didn't. But anyway, it did. All right. So here we go. Okay. So, Bianca, are you ready? Because we're just going to jump in. I'm, I, I want to more so like converse, more so than like ask questions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when I was, uh, let's say, working in academia, there was something that we did, and I felt like we did it all every year, and it's called strategic planning. <laughs> and when I first got there, it was cool. You know, it was nice to, you know, be in the room with people that, you know, that I like or people that I respect, you know, eventually maybe care about and become friends with. But after five years straight of doing that, I kept going back to the first strategic plan. I'm like, we still haven't done the first one. Hold on, wait a minute. You know, things kind of kept changing. And it was and it was always a process that, you know, like that. I, I, if after that fifth year, that fifth time, it just became a process that I didn't really like. But then once I, uh, in particular, like came to Yale and it, was, it, it wasn't a, a every year type thing, but it was um, not creating something new, but it was more like, a, here's what we had. We made this in 2018, not 2019. Where are we? Where are we? You know, and that process I liked because then I could like follow along. And even if I hadn't been there from the beginning, I could catch up, you know, because I can see the progress, see where we are, move on. The question I have for you, leader, is what are the benefits and challenges of strategic planning? And especially from your, your vantage point, you know, and if you want to share you know, related to, to, to the organization or organizations, you know, that you're leading, please do. But, you know, but but if not, you, you can just be the first part. Just what are the challenges to you and the benefits? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so my vantage point is someone who has participated in strategic planning, like um, as an employee, um, but also uh doing strategic planning with both organizations that I'm executive director of now with the environmental association I came in and they already had sort of like a strategic plan 
Um, but we did do some diversity planning and we did do some resource development planning um, as well. And then the other organization I'm executive director of, we went through, it seemed like it took us forever, but we went through strategic planning. And so I think the benefits are um, some perspective and sense of direction. Um, also the community engagement piece. So um, typically when strategic planning, it's an opportunity to engage um, communities in that process. Um, but, but I also think there's something to be said about just being in continuing, um, a, a, a continuance of like engagement with the community so that when it's time for strategic planning, it doesn't seem so extractionary. Like it doesn't seem like I haven't talked to you <laughs> or been in community with you. And now I'm asking you to do this survey or this focus group or... I'm asking you to do this interview. Um, and then I, I like the accountability piece of strategic planning, like being able to put um, names beside responsibility or work components. Um, just because quite often when you're strategic planning, sometimes it may feel like the work can fall on a very small group of people. Um, so I do think that those pieces are beneficial. I would say that the challenge, I mean, there's a lot of challenges. First of all, it's kind of exhausting. You know, it can be exhausting because it's a lot of work. Even when you're having, you know, outside help, like consultants to facilitate that process, it can be draining. You ever feel like sometimes every brain cell has worked? <laughs> like your, your brain cells, you're like, I can't do anymore. Um, convening people sometimes can be a challenge. And then like that part that I was referring to as far as community engagement. So sometimes I get like, these emails like we need stakeholder input and it's like these surveys and I'm like I don't even really engage with your organization and I appreciate you you know asking this information because you want to get this feedback but my question is um you know do you even know me how long is this survey going to take of my time? Because sometimes these are lengthy, lengthy questionnaires and things like this. And are you even going to value um, the feedback that I'm going to give? So those are questions I often have around the process. And then the other piece, really the big piece, and maybe this goes back to what you said, is like, Sometimes these strategic planning or like work plan documents are so overwhelming and you're looking at them like, wait, we didn't even do the last thing. And now we're moving on to this thing. <laughs> and it's like such a long, big document and it's always changing. And so it can just be a little bit overwhelming. And so I think there's something to be said about, you know, you might have a work plan, but having something that summarizes the strategic plan or whatever type of plan it is um, in a concise, appealing way so that people understand it, um, whether it's just like the goals, like general goals or overarching goals. Um, and then I think we also have to be realistic in our strategic plans. Like, why are you saying that you're going to do 50 things when you're struggling to get through 10? I don't know. <laughs> are we making realistic goals? Um, 
And that can be hard because sometimes there may be so many areas that you want to focus on, but usually a best practice is to just narrow it down to, you know, let's just focus on a couple of things. Um, But even within that, do we have shared accountability, responsibility? Are we, you know, given realistic deadlines? Our deadlines are always flexible. Did we forget about the strategic plan? <laughs> like we made the strategic plan, but when's the last time we went back and visited it? Every is are our meetings connected to the strategic plan? If we made the strategic plan, then the meetings that we're having should be around a strategic item. That it should be all connected, um, but sometimes it can be difficult um, to remember that. So you you need that person, or you need to constantly remind yourself: Is this connected to strategy? Is this connected to our strategic direction? I know that was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> be thinking about uh, the whole meeting culture. You know, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, we're having a meeting and talk about the meeting. And then we'll plan the next meeting to have another discussion about the last meeting. (laughs) You know, it's like, wow, you know, it's a a lot of original ideas in their meetings, you know. And so, yeah, so, yeah, you kind of made me think about that, you know. And for for those who are listening, you know, I really like this conversation because if you're not in leadership and you want to be, you know, I think this is an important aspect. Uh, that, that that we're talking about because when you're running big or even you know big organizations five thousand people a small organization five to ten people you know or to a hundred people you know you you is this whole planning part is very helpful yeah I, I don't know if you you know people have heard that if you fail to plan you plan to fail so I mean I can see why you know this is important but when you get to the intricacies of it on an organizational level you know I can I, I appreciate you breaking down those challenges and uh and 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 the benefits though it was good to to get those because I want to now say that, that there's another question I want to ask you and you can kind of take this in a couple of different ways now you know it's kind of like another level in if you will it's like, uh, and I don't think we, we we didn't ask you this on on the last one, and part one was just to just to kind of just go there and thinking about identity. You know, how does it feel if if you don't mind answering, being a woman in your role, and of course, you know, have acknowledged a, uh, a black woman at that. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. And of course, got to at first black woman. You know, so. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot of first happening in this day and time in the organizations, you know, that are like this. But uh, yeah, well, you know what? Before you answer that, let me tell you something. I know what it's like to be the first black man in a place. And it is. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm not here to start no drama calls, but, you know, so please be, mm-hmm. you know, free and as comfortable as you want to be, you know. So please, you know, just, you know, because I'm in the setup, nothing like that. But I just, man, you know, when I go to a place or when I go in to uh, a building still, and if it's like 300 people and it's only four black people mm-hmm. or four brown people, I should, I, yeah, period. I'm just like, wow. And I don't get the emotional toll anymore that I used to get, but it was an emotional toll, you know, to, to, to do that. And not because the people were bad. It's just that it's going to take energy. Yeah. To connect with individuals. And, you know, and like to have you here, right? It doesn't feel like it's taking energy. It's like, no. we can talk. Like, like I'm comfortably talking to you. That's why I, I mm-hmm. felt comfortable to ask that question. So now, to put it back on the important person here, you, you know, just how, how, how does it feel, you know, being, if you want to answer all three, or however you want to answer it, because I, I got to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so, I'm their first executive director. Um, Virginia Association for Environmental Education is really like a grassroots network. And so they were pretty much all volunteer. And so, yes, I'm the first executive director and I am a woman and I am Black. And so, um, honestly, I I initially felt like a lot of pressure, but I don't think that that pressure was coming from 
them. <laughs> I think it was coming from me. Um, and it kind of goes back to what you said about sometimes being in spaces and it can be exhausting or you're feeling this pressure because you are the only Black person um, and you carry that with you sometimes. Sometimes you carry that with you, even if the space that you're in, they're, you know, they're not putting this pressure on you. So initially I felt that, but I had to, um, I had to look within, <laughs> I had to look within. Um, so I would say that I'm really adjusting to the role. Um, this is year two. So last year was my first pretty much full year. That year was crazy. Like, and probably because I was like transitioning out of my other career. I was balancing so many things and I was absolving an entire organization. Like when you think about it, when you become CEO or executive director or you're taking over, um, something, you have so many different moving parts to absolve. So that was a lot. But now this year, I feel like I have absolved myself <laughs> of all of this pressure and that I am narrowing in on some things and that it's okay to be assertive about what you're going to do. Um, and I got that from my leadership coach. I am working with a leadership coach. And, you know, one thing that we've been exploring is being assertive, showing that you care. And because you care, you are going to be straightforward about these are the things that we need to focus on. Um, and so walking in that has been good. Um, and also our board is just very supportive in that. So at first I was feeling a lot of pressure, overwhelmed. And then I had to kind of look within and say, okay, be realistic, absolve yourself of these pressures, absolve yourself of some of the things that you've been carrying because of showing up in other spaces. And like you said, You've been the one of four Black people and it's hundreds of people there. Um, I'm having to learn how to move comfortably. In the environmental space, it's pretty white-led. And so I just have to get comfortable with that um, and keep it moving. Hmm. Not like how you're saying that, but like there's a... Um... There's like there there is like there's a responsibility and accountability that you're that, that you're still taking too. And I think that um I know we we had on one of our other episodes uh in this season, you know, someone said, What was the thing was there was Dr. Montague, then Bennett, you know, like she said, suck it up, buttercup. Um, you know, like I hadn't heard that in a while, you know, but like um you know, and, and I'm not going to ask you your age, you know, here, you know, uh, but, you know, it did seem like that was almost like generational in a way, mm -hmm. you know, like coming from like, I, I know, I mean, you know, like uh, meet me and my, my my age group and I'm, I'm in my 40s. You know, that's what I'm that's what I'm used to. You know, I'm used to going into a space, having to figure out a lot of things. You know, having to work out a lot of things. And then when I look at those who are coming behind me, which is is great, outstanding talent, smarter people. But there's uh, there's there's something that you spoke to that I noticed that we like that I've done with people that are younger than me, but that but that that I didn't have. And it's like no one can actually tell me what it was going to be like when I got there. Now, now. I can tell people, yeah, you know, like what it's like, but you know, you know, and to me, that's my responsibility. I feel, but then there's another part that I'm like, uh, but I can't tell you what your experience is going to be. You know, I can't tell you how to get through this. You know, there's still some things that you have to figure out, 
And and I really want to applaud you, you know, and how you're taking, you know, like that accountability and responsibility because it does to me impact how you show up in the space. You know, in some ways, you know, not still people can be foul to us, you know, and uh, I'm not enabling that and I'm not excusing that either. You know, I'm not saying that that's right. But if but but you know, but it's like you said, if they're not putting the pressure on me, you know, then and being humble is important and pushing yourself is important. But it's that pressure of for me, I've talked about me now, like, man, I'm gonna mess up. Yep. Mm, I don't belong here. I'm not gonna turn that in on time. They're gonna figure out I'm not smart enough and I can't do this. And that oh, is shucks. exactly what I was feeling. That that is what exactly what I was feeling. And I really had to, I had to kind of look within. Um mm-hmm to have some self-talk like you need to kind of talk yourself off the edge Bianca (laughs) like you're telling yourself these things um and then also like realizing as the first ED that I also had a responsibility to create culture so you know the organization um, had already embarked on some great partnerships, wonderful work. However, clearly hiring an executive director, they were ready to go in another direction. They were ready to progress the work they've done and maybe embark on some new things and really ready to mobilize some things. So part of that is me realizing I'm here to do a thing. I'm here to, I also have to create culture. And so what does the culture look like? Does Is the culture welcoming? Is it inviting? Does it absolve the pressure off of people to um, be perfect? Um, or some of these things that you're coming in feeling, well, what are you going to do to create the antithesis of that? Um, So, yeah, I think I kind of also looked at it from that standpoint. And, you know, sometimes I am frustrated with foundational work because it's hard, let's be honest. But then I realized I really do like foundational work, too. And maybe that's like, is that why I'm here? Um, You know, because I like to help and be a part of change culture, building things, And so, or taking the things that other people have done and mobilizing it. And so I kind of had to look at it from that perspective as well. And hearing that- I see your your wheels are turning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing that that's something beautiful. Um, Like it has to be replenishing for you. Like being in a leadership position, I know somebody who's like worked at the rec center where like I helped with hiring. It's- it makes it more comfortable for everybody. Everybody went to the rec center, enjoyed it. The coworkers enjoyed it. Like you just feel like a stronger sense of community. And yeah, I don't know. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's almost like a, or something years ago, somebody, I was, I was kind of complaining about what was something I was dealing with. And they said, the challenge is the reason for the work, Thomas. And I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of shifted the whole thing around. Like, I'm like, oh man, all right, well then let's get busy. And with that, I think the reason why it caught me is because the expectations that I had, maybe I didn't expect that to happen. So now I want to ask you the, this other question is, you know, what what expectations did you have coming into the into this role? And how is the role for you now? Oh, there goes the grin, the laughter. Let's get it. What's going on? <laughs> okay. Um I would say I don't think I really had expectations except like, you know, you think about the exciting part of a role. Mm -hmm. Um, I think something that I, I did expect was that some of the foundational things would be in place. Um, and then I came in and I'm like, wait, what? I have to do this, that, and the third, which is okay. And then I realized, 
a lot of their work had been absolved through volunteering. Imagine, imagine, and think about all of the smaller nonprofits that are doing amazing work and mostly volunteer. A lot of the volunteer work that they're going to be doing is very much connected to the mission, right? Right. Very much like if your mission is to save the whales, then a lot of the volunteer work is probably going to be related to saving the whales. But then there's some work behind the scenes that may fall to the wayside. And I think that's normal when we talk about um, smaller nonprofits, um, grassroots nonprofits, because they don't have the capacity to do some of that behind the scenes work. Um, so that was something I would say my expectation was like, oh, I didn't expect that I was going to have to do some of these things that I'm having to do, but it's totally okay. Because like I said, I like foundational work. I like change culture. I like all those things. And I do have experience with many of these things because my other part-time executive director role is I'm a founder of a nonprofit. Um, so I know <laughs> what it's like to do everything from submitting the 501c3 application to registering with the state to, I, I know all of that foundational work, creating the first budget, like I know it. And so um, I, I recognize that my history um, and the purpose that I have with that work, it has really transferred over to this role as well. And so it's, it's cool. Well, now, when I like it. Ooh, wow, that's, that's, that's cool that you, because you're bringing in such a, as they say, a wealth of experience, like you're just sharing, like how much that you brought in, you know, with you. And so sometimes I think that things happen and we're not surprised that it happened. You know, like I know, like when I, the various places I've worked, someone says something out of pocket. I'm like, okay. You said something to her. Okay. All right. I, I, yeah, yeah, I can't expect that to happen. All right, cool. I wanted to know, like, have there been any surprises that you had in the role? And I think you kind of alluded to that already, at least with the, with you not having any, you know, expectations, but just some of the things that you, you know, working on, you know, the foundational, and also the brilliance in what you said about creating culture. That just that put a, that just put a battery in the back right there, you know. But this could be, it could be, you know, talking about your leadership in, in general, you know, uh, or related to you know, your your identity or just, you know, specific to the actual work, but, you know, have there been any surprises, um, you know, so far? I think one surprise was like, so my background is elementary education uh, and more so um, nonprofit leadership. And so, I don't have a background in environmental education, although, I mean, education is education. Um, and there is environmental education components of like when I taught K through 12, very familiar with those. So I didn't realize that there was a lack of, such a lack of representation in the environmental field. That was the biggest shock for me. Um, and so when I, um, when I started the role, they shared with me some of the work that they were doing in regard to justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and that it was a key priority. Um, and I was like, okay. And then as I'm in the space and I'm meeting partners and members I'm like hmm I understand why it's a key priority because I, I just didn't meet too many people that were <laughs> um, not white even as I begin to look on other websites and look at media print and things like that I just noticed it was a very white-led space 
And so I, I, I don't know what that is about, but um, that was a little surprising to me. It was almost like, okay, I'm used to working in education where most educators or um, school personnel working with students or white women. But then in the environmental space, it was like even more so. Um, so that was a little surprising for me. Yeah. And you see those pictures and they're like 15 years old when it is somebody who's a person of color, like of any race. So I don't know. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Like when you see, when you hear about uh, organizations saying that diversity is their top priority and then you get there and it's, it's different. It's a different feel. Yeah. And then it, it it also, I know that it also takes time. Um, and I just had this conversation. Well, I wouldn't say I had the conversation with someone, but there was someone who made a comment about like our board is mostly white. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I know that. But the thing is, is like, when we talk about diversifying the organization, you know, that takes time and it's relational. Like I want to be in genuine community and relationship with people. Um, I don't want the relationship to be just transactional or um, extractionary. So it takes time to build those relationships and to be the organization that is attractive, that attracts diverse um, talent. And so when the person mentioned that, um, in my head, I was just kind of like, it, it caught me off guard and I was a little bit frustrated. And they were not at, they were not making this comment to be purposefully rude or to, to uh, I got you. No, 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 it wasn't that. They were genuinely asking a question about like, well, your board is all white. Um, and, you know, my thought process was just like, you know, I've been here, it's been one year. My role is to mobilize, operationalize, and get to the root of some things, but to also be in genuine community with people, sort of like we have been. Um, you know, you have worked with our organization, but since then, we've been building a great relationship um, that is connected to the work, um, but it, it hasn't felt transactional. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, Centering diversity, equity, inclusion, and what are all the letters, centering all these things, it takes time. And there's never, to me, it's never like you've reached a goal. It's, a journey. it's, it's always like continuing work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like to mm -hmm. keep it real, I was a little bit bothered yeah, by that yeah. because I'm like, we're, we're building relationships here. I'm show, I'm showing up in other people's spaces to learn about what they're doing. It's, I'm not going to be, it's not that we're going to be, you know, I'm going to show up and boom, we're going to have, you know, two Hispanic people, one Asian person and three black people on our board. It doesn't work like that. Said people so that's who, my that's oh, my vent. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you for the vent. I apologize for you. couldn't. I'm sorry. Just because it just it, it stirred up some stuff for me. You know, I I, I I would hope that people who get engaged in this and who also hear this now can manage your expectations going into a space. You know, because you're hearing. You know, like what both of us, all three of us, you know, you know, have you, you know experienced. And I think that there's. Uh, you know, something to that whole idea of snapping your finger, that there's a sense of entitlement in that, you know, they think, oh, yeah, just snap your finger and then, and then it happens. And then there's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of limitations in language, you know, because, you know, whenever I see now, you know, diversity is our top priority, you know, I almost want to say, well, no, no, diversity has become your top priority, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if almost like if they were genuine or real about that, it would then it's almost like it, that it, it speaks for itself. 
You see, so then when you walk in the door, you go, oh, okay, it's become, got it. And then I think another thing, I mean, and I'm getting this just from listening to, 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 to you, Bianca, so I appreciate you, you know, because you, you've had already about seven mic drop moments. Um, you know, I think that there's this thing around diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And now we got justice and access, you know, the more catchy the words, it seems like they're getting tossed in there. But you said something, and I just think that this is what organizations should probably start saying, that relationship is the top priority. Because if they say that, then what that means is I'm, you know, not all, but you know, I, I was gonna say like, like what they say in, in, in like in, in like finances, you know, you gotta know who, you know, you gotta know who you're getting in. But I was like, no, I don't have to go there. It's more about you gotta know who you're making a connection with. And and I think every interaction is in is a transaction, but what kind of exchange is it? Yeah. You know, and is it something that gives back to both of us? Is it something, or if it gives to you, am I gonna have my moment where I get to take two, you know? And I think that I think that if organizations were just real in that regard and say it's become our top priority, then that that tells me the history. So when I go in, I'm probably not going to see a lot of diversity, but I hope to experience some genuine engagement yep. that leads to good relationships, you know, and stuff like that. And 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 then uh, something that I've been doing here recently, leader, is when I'm working with people now, like in these last about four or five months is I'm saying if you could move at the pace of relationship and trust, you probably wouldn't step on things that explode as often as you do. You know, so it's like you don't take too much freedom that hasn't been established yet because the relationship isn't strong yet. You know, it's like it's like me having a nickname for you. Like, well, hold up, hey, hey, bro, you just came to help the organization. You know, we paid you for that. Like, and then you helped with it. Hold up, you know. You know, but you know, but if I respected it and then, and then you know, like two years later, you know, I'm like, director, yo, or something like that. It doesn't sound like I'm attacking because it's like this man has known me all this time. He's speaking from my roles. You know, he's that's a shout out. That's a compliment. There's no attack there because the relationship is set on the foundation of respect and understanding and clarity. So, you know, with that, and I, I appreciate the not. OK, that means I'm saying some things that are cool or right. OK, thank you. So now everybody, we get to hear this last question that I have for you, Bianca, but it's, you know, but it's uh, probably going to take, you know, take take a little time to answer it. So I'm, going to, I'm going to read it out and thank our leader for coming up with it. Bennett, you're always amazing. What preparation do you think people need to get to the position you are in? And if you want to say men, women, or if you want to say other identities too, you know, so, you know, but I, I do think that this, it could be as broad or as intricate as you want it to be, you know, um, and yeah, I like this. Oh, wow, I got like it. And, and, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to say you said it, but I'm going to say it. That I know that black people, and as a black man, I know I've had to, but as a black woman, may need to move differently than a white individual, and sometimes maybe a white man or or even a white woman. You know, um, you you just you you you're doing something courageous coming from education into this. So you know, with that, I'm gonna take my zip my lip and listen to you, leader, on what preparation do you think, and what other advice you know, like will you give us for yours. Yeah, this is like, um, this is a really good question. Um, okay, so when I think about the position that I'm in, um, it's very entrepreneurial. So I founded and started a nonprofit that um, specifically supports girls. We've grown. I'm in a part-time executive director role there. We're, we support about 175 girls. We're in about 12 schools. And so during that time, I was a full-time teacher. And before we really hit some exponential growth, I was like, I know I need to leave teaching. And so I started the part-time executive director role with the Environmental Association. I'm also an adjunct professor at um, a, an HBCU where I teach future teachers and nonprofit leaders, and then I do consulting work. So I have honestly just 
I, I do a full-time work, but I'm working in these different part-time roles, right? Which is kind of cool. I don't get bored. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm always, you know, shifting. And so these are some things I can say that people need or can do to prepare. Um, there is, I don't know if there's a path to nonprofit leadership. Like I never remember being in high school and like there being that being like a career or like even like in college, I think now there's some nonprofit tracks or something like that, but it's it's not like concrete. Maybe it falls under like organizational development or I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I feel like any of the hard skills that are needed for this type of work um, can be learned in like a workshop. So strategic planning, grant writing, financial management, project management, um, budgeting, things like that. Some of those soft skills, um, I think, need to be within you or you have to develop and work on. So like those leadership skills, like teamwork, how do you make people feel are you flexible? Do you have the ability to mobilize and inspire people? Um, the relationship building. Um, do you have a passion for people? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I think leaders do need to be people, people persons or people people. <laughs> um, but and it's crazy because I'm I'm an introvert, um, but I like people and I like people. I'm inspired by people. I love to inspire people. Um, I think that it's also important to have some sort of mentorship. Is there somebody that's doing what you want to do? that can mentor you. Goodness. We, when we think about mentorship, sometimes we think about adults and children, but mentorship is so important in the professional um, space as well. Having someone that you can go to, to ask questions, um, someone that can give you a realistic view. I would also say that another thing is be willing to do some self-teaching. We have so much information um, available at our fingertips and really lean into the power of reading. I mean, <laughs> I don't say that to, to be matter of fact. I mean it in a way of like, I think about those very early days when I was moving into this path and I needed to know something, I would just go look it up and read. And then I would look up multiple sources and read. And then I would say, okay, I'm gonna figure out how to do this. And I'm like, if it's wrong, then it's wrong. I just do it over or learn from that mistake. Um, and now if I don't know something, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like, I really don't know. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> or look, I need to go talk to so-and-so because I like, I just, I genuinely don't know how to do that. Um, and so those are some things that I can think of. Also, um, when, when people have this leadership um, spirit or they, they see themselves as leaders or doing entrepreneurial work. And I say that because leadership, like I said, is entrepreneurial and nonprofit work. While it may not be a business, you have to run it like a business because it costs to provide services and programs and people costs, <laughs> policies, practices, processes, and all of it centering people that costs. Um, so those people who have that entrepreneurial um, sort of spark, I, I really think that 
dedicating like a set amount of time to your craft is key. Because I see so many people with so, they, they have these great ideas and they're so talented, but it's like you're all over the place. You've got to be disciplined and consistent. Just like working out. You only see results when you're disciplined um, and you're consistent. So if that means every day, not every day, but once a week, you're waking up super early and you're giving two hours to whatever it is that you're trying to spark or start or learn um, or mobilize, then you need to do that and stick with it. And don't be so caught up in accolades and the approval of others. Don't be caught up in that, trying to be accepted and not being recognized. Just move. Just move. Just move and do what you need to do. Um to respond, whatever that call you feel is, just move. Um, and you will see things start to take shape, um, whether it's promotion or starting your own organization or mobilizing something major within another organization, uh, whatever, I don't know what that is, whatever that is, you will you will see that start to take shape. Um, so those are just some some things that I can think of that have helped me leaning into mentors, being disciplined. Like I, I wake up at five every morning and I've been doing that for a long time. And, and I'm not talking about like, OK, so I got to get my son off to the bus at like six. I'm talking about before he was even like in school. Before it went back when he was real little and he was sleeping in until, you know, I I've always waken up very early knowing that that quiet time in the morning is the only time I'm going to get before people start emailing and calling and texting. And you got to do this and be disciplined and be um, consistent. Even now, when I prioritize my day, if it's something that's going to require a lot of brain cells. <laughs> I do it first thing in the morning before eight o'clock, before anyone is even sending me an email and asking me to do something. I, I knock out grants at that hour. Um, anything that's revolving around strategy or require me to use creativity or really require me to think, I knock it out in the early hours when there's clarity and when I, I just woke up and when I have like a burst of energy. So. And, and I just move. I don't, I'm not looking for, I don't need to be on here or do that or do this. Like, I'm just content with just, I'm just content and just move. Just do, just do you. And so that's the best advice I can give to people, especially young people, because I work with a lot of people. I'm in my 30s. And so I work with a lot of um. 20-year-olds, they're in 18-year-olds, and they've got such creativity and, like, voice. Um, <laughs> people talk about all the things that they're missing, and I get it, but they've got some creativity and voice and spark and ideas, and they, they've got that just great qualities, um, but I need them to be disciplined, consistent, and just move and, and lock in. Don't worry about all this. Don't worry about these fleeting things. So that that's my best advice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. Like I said, that's a mic drop moment. I said, I'm up here taking notes. I mean, being consistent and disciplined, you know, get results. Uh, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, accolades. I mean, everything, you know, learn from the mistake, uh, be willing to, to learn, have some kind of mentorship, be people, people, realistic view, ask a question, let someone know that you don't know, and then you can figure it out. I mean, this, yeah, yeah, this, I, I, I think that this, see, see, this is why I liked it doing the part two, see, this is why right here, see, because I knew 
there was so much more that Bianca had to share, you know, than after the first one. And I really do appreciate you coming in, leader, and uh, letting and letting us ask you questions. You know, we don't eat people here. So we're not picking your brain. We're asking you questions. You know, we're having a conversation. That's what we do here. And so, uh, yeah, because you're going to pick my brain, pay me for that. That's why I say you're going to take a piece of me. Give me that. So anyway, okay, but that's another podcast. Okay, maybe we'll do another episode. Okay, okay, you know, maybe we we'll have a part three. But yeah. uh, yeah, okay, okay, but uh, I really appreciate you and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for this wisdom. I, this is gonna go like, uh, you know, Bennett. You know, uh, thank you. Is there anything that you need to say, brother? Nah, it was a great. It was a great podcast. I was the ending too from start to finish. It was great. So thank yeah. you again. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, well everyone. Thank you. Oh, no, I was just going to say thank you. And I'm always willing to come back. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, well, everyone. This is uh, Bianca Myrick. Okay. Executive uh, Director of the Virginia Association of Environmental Educators. And if, um, you know, you're in the, in that state and, uh, you know, in that arena, uh, you know, wanting assistance or learning about resources, I just gave you a name of an outstanding organization that, that you can connect with. So we also thank you for, for being here. And this is another great episode of the Hardwood Podcast. Uh, your host, Dr. Thomas Richard Easley. I'm probably the, the most fun person on here because I get to interview the great people. So that means that I get to have the most good time, you know. I mean, I'm having the most fun to everybody because I get to talk to people. That's what I mean. And so uh, I'm, I'm really the, um, very honored, you know, and blessed to have this opportunity. But uh, I hope you or listeners feel a similar way because you get to listen to this when it's most comfortable for you. And uh, but we thank you, you know, for tuning in. We thank our, our, our amazing, brilliant, you know, lovely guest, uh, Myra. Thank my co-host, Ben Lupo. Also, thank Yale, you know, uh, for you know continuing, you know, to believe in this and support the podcast. And thank you, my heart for diversity. Okay, the consulting company that leads it as well. So we're a team doing this work, and that's the only way it works. We're gonna move, continue moving at the pace of relationship and trust. So that's what I. That's the last thing that we're gonna close out with. Everybody, take care. Peace.